The Explore Oregon podcast is brought to you by the Statesman Journal, newspaper of Salem in the state capital since 1851. I'm your host, Zach Ernest, and in each episode, producer David Davis and I highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. In this special holiday edition, we're talking about the most useful outdoor gear for recreating in Oregon. And we have a special guest to help us navigate the confounding world of camelbacks, hydro flasks, and ultralight tents. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. I will fully admit that the world of outdoor gear can get confusing. Where to spend money, what brands perform best, and what type of crampons to get while climbing Mount Hood is tricky at best, overwhelming at worst. Luckily, we're here to help. In this special edition of the Explore Oregon podcast, we're going to highlight 12 of our favorite types of outdoor gear for traveling and getting outside in Oregon. And we're getting a little help today from Salem Summit Company's Tori Mullins. Tori, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Hello. So for those that don't know, Salem Summit Company, right downtown, big historic building on Commercial Street. They're a great local shop. It's a place I visit on a pretty regular basis, often just to kind of get advice on what the best stuff is. You know, you can go in there and try on 20 different backpacks, and, and you guys are okay with that. So what's your job there? I mean, what do you, what do you like about that job as far as connecting people with, with gear? Uh, I like to consider myself a steward to the outdoors. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's been kind of an overarching job title I've held for about the last decade. Uh, what I really enjoy is talking to people about their adventures coming up. They're always super excited about what they're trying to do. Uh, and they're always looking for a little bit of advice. Uh, and I've always, I just enjoy helping people find what they're looking for. Do they kind of look at you as like a guru? Like, did they, did they throw, throw everything at you, like trips and gear and like just everything? Yeah, often. I found uh, there's, we certainly have a varying level of experience as far as customers go. Uh, so there's people that come in who I'm asking for advice on trips to take, gear to have, and kind of researching into that. And then there's people who come in and have never been camping before and are looking for a first backpack or a new water bottle. Do you have a favorite part of it? Is it like talking gear with people and like, you know, they're coming in for hiking boots and you, you get them a pair they really like? Or what's what's the funnest part of the job? Yeah, so it's funny you, you talk about shoes because that's, I think, one that's one of my favorite parts of mm-hmm. the job is helping people find shoes. Uh, I, th- I don't know if that comes from my love of shoes. Uh, so if you saw my shoe rack, uh, <laughs> you, you would be horrified or impressed. I'm not sure. Uh, so I actually really love shoe fittings. Uh, I think it's something you wear shoes every day. Everybody uses shoes every day, I assume. And you guys have been there for a while now. Um, you know, one of the first stories I ever wrote when I came to the Statesman Journal was about Al Tandy, the, the owner there. And he came out from Oklahoma, which kind of seemed crazy at the time because historically, Salem's kind of a challenging market for outdoor gear. But, you know, here's this kid. He's from Oklahoma. Like the highest peak he had climbed was like 2,400 feet at that point. And he just comes out here and he's like, you know, this town needs a local outdoor shop. And, you know, he's made it work. Even with REI moving in, you know, it's still a great local shop in town people depend on. Okay, so in this podcast, we're going to each pick four of our favorite pieces of outdoor equipment, the stuff we can't live without. But I want to start by seeing if you guys have 
what I'll call a gear philosophy, kind of a guiding light for where you spend your money. And this is important because outdoor gear, not cheap in a lot of cases. So for me, the biggest thing is buying gear that I use in a lot of different ways. So that's the gold standard. For example, like I love kayaking, rafting, anything on the water I really love, but I made sure to buy just one kayak. It's eight and a half feet long and it's a whitewater boat, but it also works really well for flat water. Like it's long enough and slender enough for, for flat water. I can also use it on the sea. And I just, I like my equipment to serve multiple purposes, like a little tougher with a raft, but I've also found that you can inflate it and turn it into a bouncy house for my kids. And so it gets used that way. <laughs> That's so on brand for an outdoor reporter to I'm just saying, man, we, I don't make children's you, birthday parties with his raft. <laughs> <laughs> we actually did a, for my daughter's first birthday party, we did a uh, tent city where we just set up all like 18 of my tents and like the kids would just go in and out. So, so Tori, do you have any overarching philosophy like that, that you're, you know, runs through your mind when you're doing gear? Yeah, totally. Uh, I think I need to hit on the tent city part first though. Sure. I went to a very small liberal arts college in Vermont and tent city has a very different meaning. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah. not child's birthday anyway. party. <laughs> so I think, I think as consumers, one of the most important things you can do is, is pay attention to and research what you're putting your money into. That's one of the biggest things I try to look into or make sure I'm considering when I'm buying gear. Uh, so supporting small local shops has always been something that's really important to me. Uh, when you get into the bigger companies like Patagonia, Arcteryx, um, obviously companies like Patagonia stick out to me with their, their lifetime guarantee. They're also pushing people to save gear repair it instead of just buying a new one every year. Mm -hmm. uh, they make it really hard when they come out with lots of new fun stuff, but <laughs> I think that's probably an exercise in self-restraint more so than... So you think about the ethic of the outdoor gear you're buying. Yeah, yeah. so I think there, there are lots of companies that are owned by parent companies. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you might be getting into a brand that you love. Where, where is their parent company spending their money or, or mm -hmm. what kind of, of other products are they are they supporting and what kind of politics are they supporting potentially even? Yeah, so for sure. Things like that for me are really important to consider. I also am very much about gear having uh, multi-purpose use as well. So yeah. my rain shell is my snowboarding jacket. I pair it with a nice mid-layer. Um, so things like that are, mm -hmm. are super important to me, except for shoes. Uh, <laughs> 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 never have enough shoes or backpacks. <laughs> for sure, David, what about you? Uh, I'd probably echo you. I mean, I think I like it when I can find gear that fills, like, multiple roles. Mm -hmm. And it also feels better if you, like, splash out on something if you can then use it, you know, eight different activities or whatever. Yeah. Um, I'm also of the kind of buy once, cry once school because you can go outdoors with, like, very little. And you can, you know, go camping with very little. You could go to Walmart and, you know, spend, like, 30 bucks and probably have a decent overnight package. But as, like, busy people, we only have so much time. Mm -hmm. So my thing is, okay, I block out, you know, a certain number of nights to go backpacking, and I'm out there in the field, you know, all of a sudden you pull out your, like, tent or whatever, and it falls apart. You know, for this experience, and you're having this terrible time because you didn't, you know, put your money where you should have. Yeah. And I think that's kind of one of those sort of important things. And, again, if you, ha if you buy something, you can use multiple ways. Yeah. It just makes sense to buy decent stuff. Yeah. Well, there's just nothing more depressing than seeing buying something nice and seeing it just sitting there yeah. in the garage. Like, that's that's the worst. Like, I have backcountry skis. 
man, I really like them, but I worry I don't use them quite enough, you know, just because of snow or whatever. And that's like yeah, something yeah, I always try to think about. I think you hit on a really good point, too, with uh, the fact that you can get outside with much less than you actually think you might need. So obviously I'm, I'm a salesperson at a small outdoor shop. want to see it, you know, be successful. Uh, I love selling people gear that they love, but when you're first getting out there, I think the most important thing is is making sure that you're enjoying what you're doing. It's also really easy to figure out what you do need as opposed to like, oh, I spent mm-hmm. $200 on these rain pants and I don't actually want to hike in the rain. Do you see so. that happening at all? Like, I mean, I know it's an anathema to being a sales person, but, you know, it feels like a lot of people who get into it feel like they have to splurge and spend a ton of money on outdoor gear when it might not be the case. I don't know. How do you deal with that? We So... There, there are certainly people who come in who just want to spend money. They want to have really nice gear, and it's totally awesome. I think, for the most part, those people know that they, they already like recreating in, in whatever field that they're doing, whether it's backpacking or, you know, climbing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's definitely people who get super excited about what they're doing. You know, it's something new. They want to get all the gear. And then sometimes it turns out that they don't like it so much. But we also have a gear sale, so that's awesome. You can always turn that that gear that you maybe got a little bit overzealous about um, into some store credit. But <laughs> there are definitely people who come in and are, are looking to get into it, mm-hmm. don't want to spend a whole lot of money. Uh, and, and we do, so we, we, keep, we keep kind of tier levels of pricing and not quality, but there, there are certain features that some things are lacking and that helps to keep the price down. Uh, so we are pretty mindful about stocking things that, that do work for everybody, uh, whether you're looking to come in and buy a $600 jacket or uh-huh. a $100 jacket. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, let's let's jump into the good stuff now. Uh, the outdoor gear, we cannot live without. So we're going to do this in a, in a draft style. So we're going to take turns in four rounds. Don't laugh. That's just the only way I could come up with doing this. So, Tori, you're the guest here, so why don't you go first? So what, what is your first selection in the 2018 Explore Oregon podcast gear draft? <laughs> uh, I'm going to have to throw in a Baker Mayfield joke here because I love football. And I'm going to have to go with the Micro Puff, the, a.k.a. the Baker Mayfield. Nice. Um, it's a really awesome jacket from Patagonia. It's been super versatile for me. Um, so it's a synthetic jacket. It's going to stay a little bit warmer when it's mm-hmm. wet which is awesome for uh, for Oregon's climate. It's also super packable, which you don't tend to get in a synthetic jacket all that often. Okay. Say, so, say the name of it one more time. It's the Patagonia Micro Puff. Micro Puff. Yeah. And I'm sure you could hear it crinkling in the background as I'm fiddling with it right now. <laughs> and is this actually the, the jacket that Baker Mayfield wears himself? <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, just first round first round pick. For sure. Gotta, but he wears, he wears puffy jackets. A lot. I could swear I've seen pictures of him wearing the puffy jackets. Probably have. Yeah. Especially now in in Cleveland. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so it's a super packable jacket. It's Patagonia's lightest jacket for for the warmth that you're getting from it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not to be confused with Patagonia's warmest jacket, because it certainly is not. But for for the the weight-to-warmth ratio, it's incredibly warm. So it's a good one to just throw in a, you know, you can break it down really small, have it in your pack, but you know, you bring it out and you're, you're feeling pretty good. Yeah. So it zips into its left pocket, uh, super compressible. It's a great emergency or just kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm, I know I don't need a ton of warmth, but I need to have some sort of layer there just in case. 
Uh, so it's a great layer for that. Mm-hmm. Also a really great around town layer, walking yeah. walking the dog layer. So this might be kind of controversial, but I'll just go here for a minute. So do you see a lot of folks coming in, moving away from fleece jackets into like something like a puff? Uh, it depends on, on what they're doing. Um, I think fleece was the standard in the industry for a long time. Some people probably still feel like it is. It lasts a super long time. Uh, there is a little bit of controversy with it with microfibers. There is a little bit you can do to combat that. Uh, trying to wash it as little as possible is certainly helpful. Patagonia also makes a little washer bag called the Guppy Friend, I believe is what it's called. Uh, and it's a super fine mesh bag, and it actually collects those microfibers so they don't don't end up in, in the ocean. That's good. Yeah. So you feel a little, uh, a little better about it then. Yeah, okay. yeah. As far as fleece goes, though, I think there are some natural fibers. Merino wool is really awesome. Um, certainly, if you have some fleece that's lasted you for the last 15 years, still growing strong, awesome. You know, no need to buy another one. Uh, but there are there definitely are some materials that that are have taken the place of fleece. Cool, cool. All right, David. So what you got? What's your, what's your first pick? Okay, so I got to go with something that has probably most revolutionized my time in the outdoors this year. I actually purchased a, a sleeping quilt. Sleeping quilt. Sleeping quilt. Okay. They're actually born out of um, the ultralight backpacker crowd um, because they're they're kind of like a sleeping bag that doesn't have a bottom, mm-hmm. and they're wrapped around your sleeping mat with elastic bands. Okay. So, like, I'm when I sleep, I'm kind of like a toss and turner, mm-hmm. like all throughout the night. And with a sleeping bag, I always like end up off my mat, like somewhere in the corner of my tent, somewhere, <laughs> and it'd be cold because like the bottom of your bag doesn't have you know. Uh, insulation or whatever Mm -hmm. and with the sleeping quilt it stays in one place and you can kind of like roll around underneath it and so you kind of stay on your mat better uh it's lighter it packs down better doesn't take up as much space and it's Um, good for winter i mean you'll stay warm enough yeah i bought like a 20 degree um and i haven't had it quite down that low yet Uh, i've been close to freezing and it's been just fine i mean i wear like layers anyway so it kind of like tucks under your mat. It sort of does away with drafts that way. And it cinches up around your feet. So your feet like are all kind of cocooned. Yeah. Are people buying those more? Like, do you, do you guys carry them? We do. Yeah. We, we, a number of the companies that we do carry, I think in the shop at the moment, we've got uh, the Siren Quilt from Nemo, which is an awesome, I think it goes down to about 30. Sometimes with the quilts, it gets a little funny with the rating. Uh, sometimes they're just kind of intended to be in addition to a sleep system, so to avoid having to buy a winter bag, you can, you can buy one of these quilts, add it to yours. They make really awesome, really awesome kits. Uh, down does not do anything for you when you're laying on it, so kind of makes sense to to get rid of that. Yeah, <laughs> so sure. are you are you off sleeping bags like forever now? If I'm gonna go snow camping, I'd probably still take my mummy bag, but for just you know three season camping i think a quilt's probably the way to go cool and it, it's kind of cool because you can just again multiple use you can you know if you're cold in the morning you just kind of throw it over yourself because it's just like you can kind of wrap yourself with it like a robe mm-hmm. and like it's just one of those like multi-use i'll probably like throw it in the back of my car and you know you're just out wandering around at night or something need mm-hmm. some warmth there you go okay <laughs> gotcha 
All right. Well, my first pick is a little bit different. Uh, so it's adventure maps, and they are just the best maps for getting outdoors in Oregon. Like the key to any outdoor trip is a good map, and historically, the best ones have always been, you know, the Forest Service district maps because they have everything on them: every road, trail, campground, lake, peak, everything in a given area. Adventure maps have that same data, but it's just a much better level of detail. So they're designed for recreation. They're designed to stick out to people who want to hike, bike, ski, and things like that. So a good example is on most official maps, the Bull of the Woods Wilderness is kind of small. It doesn't look great. It's not It's not intuitively easy to read. But the Adventure Maps version, which they came out with for Detroit Lake and the Opal Creek area, has a great, great map system for Bull of the Woods. And I used it a lot this year. And it was, it was so much better. And that was an area I kind of avoided because I didn't like the map systems that were out there. Uh, they also have a little description on there. So, you know, you think of a guidebook, it's usually a lot of words and then a small map. This is sort of that flipped on its head where it's a huge map and a lot of words, but it has everything you need. And they have adventure maps for Mount Hood, the Bend area. And then, like I said, they just came out with one that features Opal Creek, Detroit Lake, Mount Jefferson. Have either of you guys tried adventure maps Yeah, so I think one thing to note about adventure maps, Mm -hmm. one, they're made right here in Salem. Yeah. So we have that going. And two... They're really recreation first, whereas with the Forest Service maps, recreation is like, you know, a fifth of the purpose of the map, Mm -hmm. whereas the adventure maps are, you know, all about places to go, things to do, Mm -hmm. you know, features to look out for and difficulty and that kind of thing. Yeah, they they list off, uh, depends on the map, but typically somewhere between 10 and 15 uh, kind of prominent hikes to look out for in Mm -hmm. that area as well. Uh, So if you're new to the area, it's a really awesome or just, just kind of not really sure where to start, uh, those maps and the hikes that they suggest are, are a really great place to start. Yeah, and, and uh, Scott Rapp is the, is the guy who, who owns Adventure Maps. He lives right here in Salem. He's come in and, and talked to us a couple times. And it's interesting how he came up with it because it was that thing. He, would just, he was looking at Forest Service maps, what was available, and he's like, you know, this just could be better. And I, I just I like people that are like, you know, this could be a little bit better, and they go and do it. Yeah. They are super efficient, too. I think we mm-hmm. placed an order of maps from them one time, and it was hand-delivered like two hours later <laughs> to the shop, which is awesome. Not yeah. too shabby. And yeah. I also, you know, I think it's one of those that's great to keep around, too. You can sort of, sort of, you know, throw them in your glove box and mm-hmm. pull them out, you know, if you find yourself with, you know, some extra time on vacation. So many things going digital. It's just nice to have that sort of solid backup if you need it and, you know. As much fun as it is downloading PDF files to your phone and hoping your battery lasts an entire hike, yeah, this is one of those things you can always count on. Although, they, yeah, they do have a digital edition where, you know, they've got the blue dot while you're on the trail. So they have that, too. I tend to just like the, the maps. Yeah. All right, cool. We're moving into the second round. So, Tori, what you got for us? Uh, grip 6 belts are hugely popular for us right now. I think everybody in the shop has got one. I wear mine daily. Um, they're super awesome. They're interchangeable. They're also pretty different than a standard belt design. So it's a buckle and it's a strap. There are no holes. There's no tail sticking out in the front to get caught on, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. flap around. Um, so they're, they're super efficient. They're really comfortable as well. They're nice low profile belts. They work day to day. They dress up super well, but they also hike super well. Mm -hmm. Um, I wear mine snowboarding often. It stays tight all day. 
and I never thought that I would be so excited about a belt. <laughs> and here I am. I think that's the best kind of gear, though. That kind of gear that like just sort of disappears, but you're so super stoked about it because it yeah. just checks all the boxes. And so you yeah. can just switch it from like you know snowboarding to like business casual. So yeah, they come in in a, a few different color combos. So there's black, gray, navy. You know, different shades of brown, a few different shades of gray. They have these really awesome conservation series buckles as well. So there's a honeycomb buckle, there's a salmon buckle, and a bison buckle. When you buy one of those buckles, which those are are metallic, the other ones are kind of colored or they have a wooden finish on them. The conservation series, I think, is the one that tends to dress up the most. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's metal, it blends in really nicely, it just kind of looks super sharp. a portion of those proceeds actually go towards conservation, which mm-hmm. is really awesome. The salmon one specifically, part of those proceeds go towards uh, the Wild Salmon Center, which is actually helping to designate Nahalem River as a state uh, wild and scenic river. So mm-hmm. if that's something that you think is important, grab a belt, grab a buckle, helps you're helping ri- out. Helps right in your own backyard, too. Yeah, yeah. Cool. cool. All right, David, so what you got? All right, my second pick, again, kind of a generic pick, but wool base layers. You know, when I started out in college, I'd buy kind of the cheap whatever synthetic base layers, and, you know, you'd get little locks of days of gold cleaning, and they'd start smelling, and I don't, it just, they always felt kind of clammy and gross to me. And so eventually I got rid of all those and replaced them all with wool base layers. Mm-hmm. And I'm slowly sort of replacing most of the things in my life with wool, as I go, because I just feel like, one, when it gets wet, it's still warm, which is kind of important here. You know, if you get caught out in the rain, you get rained on or you get damp, you sweat, whatever, they're still warm. So you're not going to get that crazy, I'm going to freeze out in the forest feeling. And two, that they don't develop a funk, or at least they don't for a long time. I don't know. Mm -hmm. As, As long as I have dared to not wash something, it's never developed a funk. And especially if you're on like bike tours where, you know, I don't have access to like a washing machine every night. You know, you can still walk into a coffee shop after day three and not, like, <laughs> send people running the other way. That's so a that's sign always... of a good base layer. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, one of my favorite brands actually kind of went out of business this year, last Ibex. Um, but there's a bunch of others. And I, a lot of the mainstream brands now are doing wool. Um, you know, there's the ubiquitous smart wool. Like, everyone has that. Um, uh, Patagonia has actually just re-released a merino layer. So they've got a new supplier um, that I think they're they're on board with in terms of ethics, and now they've they've got them being supplied again. Yeah, and that's the other thing. Like you know, you say wool, and a lot of people think like super scratchy stuff. Like the merino wool is super soft. You know, definitely not like your grandfather's army surplus sweater. So, <laughs> is the cost about the same as the synthetic ones? It's a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. You're. De- I mean, that's why it, it took takes time. You know, it's definitely you're splashing out a little bit more, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, in my experience, if you get like a cut or something, you can actually uh, repair it a lot easier than synthetics. Um, it's just it lasts a lot longer. It wears better. I'm I'm, I'm curious now. I'm actually interested because for winter kayaking, you know, those base layers are crucial. Yeah. Um, but I've had the same funky synthetic ones. Yeah. And yeah. Luckily, they're under a dry suit, so nobody yeah. can smell them anyway. But. Yeah. They're they're treated usually with a an odor resistant, but. Mm-hmm. It definitely... There's limits to everything. <laughs> it definitely has got a limit. Yeah. And actually, one of my favorite new brands uh, is a brand that 
makes goods for commercial fishermen, so it's like super strong stuff. Okay. So again, it's all about like looking, you know, unexpected places for things sometimes. But you'd say, you'd say it's worth it, like oh, just yes. considering the overall performance, like you know, a few extra dollars. Oh, is, yeah, totally. I okay. mean, because again, I've I have stuff that's like eight years old still, and it's still perfectly functional. Cool. Yeah, I just bought a new rain shell um, from Arcteryx, and I fully expect to will that down to some grandchildren. <laughs> I don't know if there's going to be grandchildren in my future, but somebody's grandkid is getting that coat. <laughs> yeah. All right, Zach, what's your second round pick? Yeah, so mine's not super creative either, but you know, when we're talking about stuff you can't live without and that so- serves multiple purposes, I'm going to go with my hiking boots, which are, and I'm going to try to pronounce this right, it's A-Solo Fugitive GT boots. Does that sound right? Almost. Almost. Yeah, so, uh, y- yeah. Oslo is how how that's pronounced, and I think uh, that is that is the namesake of the town where they are created. Um, where is the town? Italy. Oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I got them at Salem Summit Company. I just actually told Al, I was like, hey, I need these boots for all these different things. And he's like, I got you covered. And so I went in and tried them and haven't looked back since. So obviously they cover hiking and backpacking. They're great, strong, durable, pretty comfortable. But the thing I really like about them is they're great for snowshoeing. They're good for mountain climbing. Like, they've got a little place you can put crampons on. I mean, they they work for just about everything. And, I mean, I even use them for yard work at this point. I'm really hard on them. I wear the boots all the time. Like, I'll even just wear them out in public. And they've held up amazingly well. I've had them for, like, four years now. And the last boots I had, like, I had totally destroyed them by this point. These ones, like, they... They look almost not new, but they nothing's fallen off, which is yeah, kind of a yeah. kind of a thing. Are these are these well known? Like I googled them real quick, and it seemed like they have a good reputation. Is that generally yeah. true? Yeah. So Oslo is a, a super reputable company. Uh, those shoes specifically, too. Uh, people people really love those shoes. Okay, and it's yeah. pronounced Oslo. Oslo. Nice. Yeah. That's that's good to know, especially when you're talking about them on a podcast. We we could probably do a whole podcast on how to pronounce some of these things. Yeah. Uh, some of some of the the words I hear come out of people's mouths. <laughs> <laughs> See, and that that is, it's, I try to just point to something. I'm like, I need something by them. Then you just kind of, you know, side yeah. sidestep the issue. Yeah, I get I get often like an Arcturus. It's Arcturus. It's, it's okay. <laughs> that one is really hard to, it to, is to super. say. All right, so I guess we have reached the third round of our great gear draft. Uh, so what you got, Tori? Uh, I've got a good duffel. Uh, everybody needs a good duffel, in my opinion. Uh, so there's a few different options that we carry. Uh, both of them, they're like pretty par for the course. They're almost identical. Mm-hmm. Uh, one's coming from Osprey. One's coming from Patagonia. Uh, so there's the black hole duffel from Patagonia. It's awesome. I've got two of them in my house. There's the transporter series from Osprey, which is a new new line out for them. Uh, both are super popular. They are both going to be stormproof. They're not quite waterproof. There are some seams and the zippers aren't aren't waterproof, but mm-hmm. uh, they are awesome from everything to like packing wet snowboard gear in the car. Mm-hmm. So each day we leave for the mountain, there's two duffels packed with all of our gear. Uh, they travel well, so they have backpack straps. I've I've flown with them, mm-hmm. and they're just all around super durable, sturdy bags that look nice, feel nice. Yeah. Yeah. That's big for kayaking gear too. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) All right, David. So what you got for your third pick? 
All right. Again, like I said earlier, I'm a big fan of things that bring function to other things in your life. And so my next pick is a bicycle basket. Now, before you laugh and think <laughs> of like, you know, a kid's bike with streamers on the whatever. And, that's what, that's you know. what I'm envisioning. Yeah, I know. I know. It's funny because I actually started out, you know, kind of skeptical to myself. And but now uh, roughly two of my bikes have baskets, three have racks. So I've gone all in on this one. And my my specific pick for this is actually, there's a company called Wald. They make affordable baskets right here in the US, US made. Um, You can get them from about 30 to 40 bucks. Uh, Any bike shop here in town can order them. And you can either put them on or have the bike shop put them on for you know, some, some funds there, but they fit on pretty much any bike or any bike can be adapted to it. But the, the wonderful thing for me is just that it opens up so much more opportunity. Like I hate riding with a backpack on, like it's the most just miserable experience you mm-hmm. get sweaty, you know, it's just not comfortable with a basket. You can just throw stuff up there. Like for me, I'll be out on just, you know, riding around for fun. I'll stop off at the store. I can grab stuff, throw food in there. You know, burrito runs are a favorite pastime. So really, this just opens up, like, you know, more use to what would other always be just like a recreational vehicle, you know, just sure. your bike. And so it really brings function. And Does, it's super inexpensive. Are there different sizes for it? Like, yes. could, you, could you pack them all, like, for, if you're doing one of your bike packing trips? I mean, can you use the basket as, like, something where you're putting most of your stuff? Um, so the basket that I'm recommending today is a front basket mm-hmm. and so you can fit like a decent size you can fit a backpack you can get like uh, elastic nets that stretch over the top cinch mm-hmm. down whatever you can fit in there yeah and so you can fit um you know your bag with clothes probably your sleeping bag um you, you're stretching if you go much further it's really just about like not wearing a backpack not wearing a backpack yes all right well my pick is going to be my first in the dad picks Um, I've got two little girls and a lot of my gear is now becoming adapted to their world. And so the first one I'm going to go with, I also got at Salem Summit Company when I just went in there and was like, I need this. And they're like, here you go. We got it. And uh, it's the Osprey Poco Plus. And it's basically just a child carrier um, that has a built-in backpack. Now, there's a ton of these out there. So I don't think this is like a unique pick or anything, but it's just so helpful because for family hikes, it's the only thing we need. You know, I put the kid in in the carrier, and then we fit all of our gear in there, and then we're ready to go. And in terms of items you can't live without, I mean, this is truly one of those because we'll go on hikes, and they'll go as far as their little legs can carry them. And then you just need to be able to toss them into the backpack. It just makes so much of a better experience. The only downside is that, you know, it puts the kids in position to smack you in the back of the head when they get <laughs> bored. So... That's not always awesome. That's kind of a small gripe. Are there any models that you know of that have, like, a little <laughs> barrier so they can't, like, pull your hair? Uh, I think you would probably have to retroactively fit that. But okay. next time I, I see a rep, I'll, I'll throw that out there. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, it, it would do me a little see, bit See, I think good. you need that elastic net for my basket. Just stretch it over the back so sure. they're kind of, like, confined. Okay. Yeah. Their little hands, like, tucked down in there. Well, the problem, though, there, though, is, like, they're also close to your ear. So if uh, they start crying, um, that's also kind of a, a struggle. But, again, I mean, as far as getting a lot from my gear, it one point, you know, I would always take the dog for a walk in the morning and, you know, bring one of my daughters just to get him out of the house a little bit. And we'd go to the grocery store. And so we'd just take, do these walks to the grocery store and I'd have the pack and I'd put it down and like put all my groceries in the back. Yeah. And it was fantastic. I mean, I used it almost every day for like three years. And that is getting the most out of your gear. It's hard to beat those packs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're super comfortable and like fully adjustable usually. Yeah. 
Like, they have the frame. Like, they're almost, like, backpacking-level, like, yeah, technology. It's, it's the same exact technology that they use for those. Uh, they've got the fully adjustable torso, so, mm-hmm. you know, whoever, whatever parental unit height yeah. they are, you, anybody can fit in those. Yeah, and they have the adjustable for the kids, so, I mean, pretty young baby can, can fit in there. And then, like, up to, like, two or three years old, I was still carrying them around, and... You know, I would stretch the limits, I think, the weight that you could fit in there. Because, I mean, I was, like, putting in, like, buckets of, you know, things of water, like, a lot of groceries. So we were probably at, like, 60 pounds or 70 pounds at one point. But whatever it is, it, it Did you need, like, help to, like, hoist that on your back? That seems... I mean, it would be one of those things, like, and I'm in the middle of, like, Safeway where it's, like, all crowded. And I'm just, like, <laughs> you know, throwing it up onto my back. It was... Uh, Beast of burden style. Yeah, pretty much, but... Fun tip for that. Yeah. The haul load. So mm-hmm. the, the loop, the small loop yep. that everybody thinks does nothing. Yeah. That's actually stronger than the harness straps are. Okay. So if you grab onto that, mm-hmm. pull the bag with the back harness facing you, kind of prop it on your thigh, and you're holding that, that okay. loop up top, yeah, yeah. you can swing your other arm up through, and it mm-hmm. makes it so much easier okay. to, to get your bag on, and then you're not ripping your harnesses. Yeah, um, that would have that would have been helpful. What I ended up doing a lot of times is like putting everything like on a table, getting yeah. underneath it, and then like totally works strapping too. it yeah. on. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we we've reached the fourth round. Uh, so Tori, what you got for the fourth round pick? Uh, my fourth round pick is the Mighty Mo stove from Jetboil. The uh, Mighty Mo. Mighty Mo. Yeah. So everybody knows their flash, most likely. Mm-hmm. Everybody just kind of calls it Jetboil. You know, my Jetboil stove. Um, the jet boil stove, the flash, is awesome for boiling water. Um, pretty hard to cook in. <laughs> I've, I've not tried to attempt very much mm-hmm. cooking in that uh, for fear of what would happen. But the Mighty Mo has like a totally, totally adjustable simmer control, which a few companies will claim doesn't actually work quite so well. Uh, the Mighty Mo, however, has a fully adjustable simmer control, and you can cook like full-fledged I used it at home the other mm-hmm. day uh so like you can cook full-fledged meals in the thing you're not going to burn eggs to the depending on what pan you have so that's kind <laughs> of like the differentiator between the two there's like the stoves that are essentially marketed just to boil water as soon as possible yeah and then yeah. there's stoves that'll actually cook and it really comes down to adjustability it does uh so it's a pressure regulator and that's what allows kind of the fuel level to change um Quite a few companies claim this this pressure regulator. They claim simmer control. It doesn't really work. The Mighty Mo stove is tiny as well. Uh, so it's a little canister stove. It runs on those little isopropane cans. And it is it is awesome. Like, I, I also never thought I would be so excited about a backpacking <laughs> stove. And here I am. Um, yeah, that's you interesting. Can do that at home. Because, <laughs> I mean, I've really just kind of gone for the cheapest one because I sort of had the sense that it didn't make that big of a difference. I yeah. Mean, but so this one comes in at 50 bucks too, which oh, wow. when I wow. – so I tried one out first. We've got a shop one that um, I think Connor let me borrow it. We used it. It was awesome. And when I saw the price on it, I was like, this is an incredible stove for $50. Mm-hmm. Uh, so – yeah, because, I mean, it seems like even most stoves, like, don't really come down to, like, 80 or so. Yeah. It's usually around 100 or something. Yeah. And I, that's, that's like, a, almost a Walmart price. Like, because, I mean, like, it, I, on a last-second trip, like, I did a trip out to the Wallows and, being the idiot that I am, forgot my backpacking stove. <laughs> so I went into the Walmart, and they had one, um, but it was about the same price. So yeah. probably a much better value there. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure it's a much better value. <laughs> 
All right, David. So what's uh, what's your fourth round pick? All right, in uh, more exciting picks, I have <laughs> drawstring stuff sacks, like just in like the smaller ones. You're very utilitarian. I, with your I stuff, am. Aren't I you? am. Apparently, this year, you know, all those little items that you end up forgetting kind of like your little stove but in my case it's sunscreen i'll get somewhere and i'll have you know my pack ready i'll have water i'll have whatever i need to like get my bike out there Mm -hmm. but i'll have forgotten the sunscreen so my big thing was i need to get organized so one year i went i don't remember where i picked them up i bought just like a pack of these little stuff sacks and they're like the size of a gallon of milk or whatever Mm -hmm. and i ended up putting in one i put like uh, insect repellent, sunscreen, anything you'd need for just kind of like a day out, threw in the car. And now it's like always there. So do you just have like a whole bunch of little ones yeah. like with all the different things? Yeah, so I have I have one with like a flat repair kit, yeah. you know, bike tire stuff. Okay. And so it's just sort of like bundling things because I look in my closet and there's just, you know, overflowing with stuff. And this way I just, I have color coded system and it's super organized and it's one of those rabbit holes. You can go as far down as you really want to. Yeah. So when you're getting ready, do you find that you just like grab the little bags? Yeah, yeah exactly. Like um, if I don't already have it in the car, I can just sort of look, I sort of keep everything in one spot. I'll just look, grab it, go. And you're, you know, cool. Yeah. I think if there's any one thing that you're going to group together in those bags, 10 essentials is awesome. Light, fire, yeah. <laughs> extra food, water, <laughs> shelter. All right, so for my final pick, I'm going back to Dadland and picking something called a Muddy Buddy. And what this basically is is a full-body rain suit that you throw onto your kids. It's basically for one- to five-year-olds, typically. And it allows you to put a bunch of warm clothes on them and then throw this full-body shell over the top of them so you can go out in the rain in the mud and stuff. And it's funny because I wear almost the exact same thing when I go winter kayaking, except that it's a dry suit that costs $800. The Muddy Buddy, by con- contrast, costs 30 to 40 bucks depending on where you buy it. It's really useful at places like Silver Falls State Park, especially in the winter where you're going to get wet no matter what. And to just not have to worry about the kids getting wet is just a wonderful thing. The only downside, again, is that if you're going to a playground, and man, we love playgrounds, if they go down a slide, they get going really fast, <laughs> like warp speed. And my youngest daughter actually flew about five feet off the end of the slide um, because she picked up so much speed because you got, you know, the synthetic, the water, it just, it goes really fast. But. So it's really like a more fashionable trash bag for kids, essentially. Just it is. stick them in there. I like would say that that's impervious not... Impervious to dirt. Yeah, that's not a bad analogy. Uh, but you can wash them and reuse it, and trash bags tend to, you know, tear and stuff yeah, like sure. that. So <laughs> I'm going to call it an upgraded trash bag, I guess, which the company I'm sure will love. Yeah. <laughs> little National Lampoon action there. Too. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we made it through our four items, but I know there's probably some ones that we didn't get to mention. So, Tori, real quick, any, any ones that you wanted to mention that weren't in your top four? Yeah, so they... Two favorite, uh, absolute favorite piece of gear. I'm sorry, I couldn't keep it to one. Uh, Z-Lite pad, super durable, uh, travels really well, weighs pretty much next to nothing, mm-hmm. and it comes in handy for so many things from, you know, a windscreen for, depending on what size you've got, for stove, for you, you know. Um, I'm constantly pulling it out and sitting on it. It's, like, in our living room almost at all times. Makeshift yoga mat in the morning if you want to stretch. Um, another thing that we keep set up in our living room all the time are chair ones mm-hmm. from Helinox. Uh, so it's um, through Big Agnes, and they are collapsible chairs. They pack down super small, like maybe to the size of a 40-ounce hydro flask. 
and they are so comfortable. Really? Yeah. And they travel well. They meet requirements for concerts, typically, too. So <laughs> super awesome chair. Nice. And uh, give me the name of that one one more time. That's the Chair One from Helinox gotcha. um, or Big Agnes. Okay, cool. Um, also super fun if you try and race to see who can set it up first because they're, they're not hard, but they're hard when you're trying to race somebody. <laughs> <laughs> A little added fun there. All right, David, what you got? Okay, uh, it is winter, it is cold, and the wind is blowing. Um, I actually didn't know these things had a uh, official name. Uh, we always just called them neck tubes, as, <laughs> as specific as that is. Uh, they're neck gaiters, known by brand name Buff. I think you guys carry those. We do, yeah. It's a round piece of fabric with a hole in the middle kind mm-hmm. of thing. It's like a scarf that's sewn together. You just like throw it over your head, and you wear it like eight different ways. And it's one of those that you didn't know you needed it. And then once you have it, you're like, I can't do without it. You can just sort of put it down. It goes around your neck. It kind of fills that space between where your coat ends and, you know, your chin. Um, you can also, if it's real cold, pull it up over your ears and over your head and wear it different ways. But it's one of those that, like, definitely just cuts down on the cold, especially when it's, you know, super windy out. You're walking on the coast. That sort of wind that cuts right through you, this definitely sort of staves that off a bit. Cool. Well, the last two things, I'm going to hit them really quick. Um, NRS snowshoes, I mean, everybody kind of has them, but I've just found that they work for a lot of different stuff. They're really easy to use. So if you if it's your first time snowshoeing, they're just super simple, intuitive design. You know, they have uh, the crampons on, on the bottom so that, you know, you have good uh, grip. And I've just always liked them. I've used them for, like, small-scale winter climbs. Um, and, you know, they're just good for a lot of different things. The uh, second one is backpacking hammocks. I'm not going to go into too much detail. We wrote a story with uh, you guys at Salem Summit Company about them. I really, really love them. Um, I have a bigger place now, and so we just have them at home all the time. The kids love them. We got the the big one, so we try to fit the entire family in there. (laughs) And it holds us up. It's kind of amazing. Yeah, yeah. Backpacking hammocks, great. NRS snowshoes, just a really easy all-purpose snowshoe. The thing with hammocks, I think you just have to get over the fear of not finding two trees close <laughs> to one another. Yeah. But once you sort of get over that fear, like they're actually pretty awesome to use. Yeah, yeah we, we've, we've stretched like their capability, like with the, the straps, like we put it, we've been those people that like put them over the entire creek and like try to like get up in the middle. So you could do, you can have some fun with the models that they have these days. Yeah, yeah, you totally can. And they are like increasingly light each year. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Do they come out with like new hammock models? Like, I mean, frequently? Uh, there certainly are. Um, I mean, Eno is gonna is gonna come out with new colors every season. Mm-hmm. Uh, Thermarest makes some awesome hammocks. I'm not sure how much the technology in those are changing from from year to year, season to season. But there are definitely lightweight backpacking companies that are putting out you know hammocks that are packing down to the size of like an orange <laughs> and probably way less. And I'm and I'm constantly amazed that like you could take something as simple as like a hammock and they find ways to use like space age material to yeah. make it like somehow <laughs> better. Like I didn't think you could improve on the hammock's design. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Tori, for joining us. Yeah. Thanks for having me. You are our, I, th- I think, our first in studio guest. First in studio guest. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting stuff. <laughs> so hopefully, uh, you out there listening found some some use in all this. Um, You know, again, gear is one of those, especially if you have a desk job, you can just sort of ruminate on gear and forget about the experience behind it. But just remember, you know, you can always just go outside with a pair of shoes and the clothes you have on your back. But at the same time, hopefully you got some use out of it, found some stuff that 
was interesting and just makes your time outdoors more rewarding. Yeah, and I would encourage you to just, you know, if you have questions, just go to Salem Summit Company. Like, go in there and ask them questions. That's they, that's what they're there for. And, you know, I've found that you can cut down on a lot of, like, the research or the internet searches and stuff. Just talk to an expert. Like, it's just better. Yeah, we are all obsessing all the time over here. Like, I'm constantly reading about new things. I'm, re- you know, you know, refreshing on stuff that I already know before mm-hmm. this podcast. It was like, oh, I forgot that, that the Micropuff uses plumophil. That's awesome. <laughs> so you do the research so we don't have to. Yeah, I'll tell you all about it. We all will. Cool. Cool. All right. Well, again, thanks for listening. Make sure to check us out at statesmanjournal.com slash explore for all of our episodes. And we'll be back to regular programming next year. Thanks again.